Hey, friends and fam, it's John. It's time for the JMart cast for Monday, March 27th. What's going on? How are you? Recording this one on a Monday morning instead of my usual Sunday evening to be ready for Monday morning because it's been a long weekend and I was really tired and just needed some time off. Luckily, this morning, wife took the kids out for a nice little stroll, giving me a little bit of time alone to be able to do this. So thank you, wife, and thank you to all the people listening in and being patient with me for not having out the podcast at the regular time. So what did I do this week? Why was the weekend so crazy that, uh, you know, I needed the Sunday off? So on Saturday, we I met up with some friends around uh, early afternoon to go downtown near the harbor front because they have this thing called Public Sweat where they've set up um, in a small area, not too big, five different uh, saunas uh, that you could go to and basically, you know, do your sauna thing, get in there, get hot, sweat it out. And they've combined the sauna experience with an art display as well. So they've got a little um, lobby where they have a lot of art displayed. Also, some art pieces are installed inside the, uh, the saunas themselves. And then the actual sauna structure itself is in a way an art piece as well so there's like five different ones so five different shapes with different decorations on on the saunas as as well as as the art installations and it was uh it was cool i really enjoyed it my friends really enjoyed it too we loved sweating it out together the saunas themselves weren't too huge so we had a large group of friends so we had to separate um, uh, one of them was large, so all of us could fit in, but the other ones were smaller. So, when, you know, once we got out of the main middle one that was large enough for everyone to fit in and we separated off, we had to go into our own little, um, you know, sauna experiences, have, uh, you know, smaller group conversations. So that was kind of nice. We met some other people too, and also saw some people with these funny looking sauna hats that they were wearing. It's supposed to, even though you're hot in the sauna, if you wear this hat, it's supposed to protect your head from getting too hot, keeping it cool, therefore making you last a little longer in the sauna. Not exactly sure how exactly that works. It kind of makes sense, but doesn't either. But some friends of mine ended up buying (laughs) uh, these funny looking sauna hats at the end of the day uh, as like, I guess, a token for remembering the day. And it was it was cool. They look hilarious in it. They kind of look like hobbits when they put it on, but it's it's a good look. So yeah, this thing's uh, around for a few days, maybe a couple more weeks still. So if anyone's interested in Toronto, want to go to the Harborfront Center, they got, and it's pretty cheap. It was like $35 for a ticket for a two-hour experience. So pretty worthwhile. And the sauna's some of them get extremely hot. There was one one of them that was uh, so hot that uh, because I was sitting so close to it, just due to like uh, not there not being enough space for everybody to fit in, I had to like stand closest to where like the heat's emanating from, and my legs felt like they were gonna get like third degree burns. So <laughs> I couldn't stay in there very long. I had to find another one that was uh, more appropriate <laughs> uh, temperature wise. So yeah, just check it out if you're interested. But after all that, uh, we uh, ended up leaving and going to a friend of ours apartment to hang out, have some food and drinks, uh, which was amazing. My friend uh, went all out and got like the best food to feed her friends. So it was much appreciated. We loved and cherished all of all of it. And we told her so. And then after the food and drinks, we got ready to go to this um, 
I guess you could call it a rave. Basically, it was like this uh, warehouse party and they had a couple of different rooms and the whole warehouse was decorated to look like a jungle. And they had, um, you know, the two rooms had uh, different DJs playing different music. Uh, I guess there, you could say there were some jungly beats <laughs> in there, but it was just like a nice experience with like nice house music. Uh, there was some house, deep house, progressive, all sorts of stuff. And one of the people um, DJing at, uh, what is it, like the 1 to 2.30 time slot, he's a friend of a friend, so we went out to support him and it was it was a great set. I really enjoyed it. But we did stay up late into the night, got home uh, around 3.30, I want to say. And so, you know, sleep was a little bit disturbed, didn't get much of it. So most of Sunday, just walking around like a zombie, didn't have the energy or the desire to want to record a podcast. So it's happening today. Again, apologize one last time. Thank you for bearing with me. So yeah, that was my weekend. I hope you had a Nice weekend as well. Happy spring equinox, by the way. We're finally into the spring times. Congratulations, we made it. Even though it still seems like it's snowing, but whatever. We've crossed to the other side where the days are longer than nights. Very happy about that. By the way, one or two more funny stories before I move on from earlier this week. So I can't remember what day exactly it was. Might have been Wednesday or Thursday, but... My daughter and I went out for a walk uh, to the playground, and so we got to the playground. She got out of the stroller. She's walking around, checking out the playground and having fun, and then there's another parent with a child who comes by, uh, and like the kids start playing together, and the parent starts talking to me, and so she's telling me about her kid, and uh, as we talk more, she like reveals more information about the child. It turns out... Um, she's the child's not potty trained she's having some trouble with it um and also doesn't eat well the mom was describing how she's having trouble making him you know uh, eat at the appropriate times or eat anything at all and then you could also see that the kid is a bit of a troublemaker because he would pick up sticks and try to hit his mom luckily he was not hitting my kid with the stick but anyways and then as I'm looking at the child, I'm noticing that, you know, he's definitely older than my kid, but only slightly because he was like only slightly bigger than my kid. And, you know, because I have two kids, uh, I have a better judgment of being able to tell how old someone is. So I've got a, a kid that's almost four years old and one who's like less than one and a half. And so this kid was smaller than my four, almost four year old, but only slightly bigger than my one and a half. And then as the lady's um, asking me, like, what do I feed my child? I, I'm like, uh, my response was, you know, I, I, it's, I, we're having some trouble with Rose as well, with my daughter, uh, feeding her, but uh, we're still mostly successful. We focus on making sure that she gets her protein first, meat, fish, eggs, things along those lines. If we feel like she's gotten enough of those, uh, then we, you know, uh, go on to give her all the rest of the stuff, veggies, fruit, cheese, whatever. But the protein is kind of like our primary uh, focus. And then when she heard that, she was like, she gave me like the, the eyebrow look. And like, she says, well, that's a very different approach. Uh, I'm like, oh, really? What, what, why? What, why would you say that? And so, of course, she reveals that she's a vegetarian and that she doesn't um, you know, give uh, 
meat to the child, although the child still gets some from the other side of the family. Uh, but generally, the child is kept vegetarian. And then when I find out that how old the child is, it turns out they're older than three years old. So more than double the age of my daughter, who is only slightly smaller than this kid. So I don't know. I don't know exactly, right, uh, what what exactly the details are. But from that basic little bit of information, it seems like there's some, you know, malnourishment going on where this child's not getting enough protein to get to an appropriate size for a three-year-old older than a three-year-old. So their, their stature is quite small and only slightly bigger than my child who's less than one and a half. So take that as you will. In my opinion, I think children should be fed protein, animal protein specifically. But I know and understand that certain people have made decisions to be vegetarian and to make their children eat vegetarian as well. Now, whatever the reasons are behind making this decision, could be health-related, could be ethics, regardless, I think ultimately, if the proper steps are not taken to make sure that the child is actually getting all the nutrition they need to grow properly, then this is a likely outcome a lot of times. You're going to have children with smaller statures that just aren't set up to their best possibility, potential, let's say, for the rest of their lives. Now, I'm okay with children choosing to be vegetarian themselves at a certain age when they have you know, enough brain development to actually make sense of the of the choice and the decision they're making. But a three-year-old has no idea what the hell's going on with regards to food and where the meat comes from. So I don't know. I just think set the kid up as best as possible. And it's a lot easier to meet their nutritional requirements by providing them animal protein than it is to try to figure out exactly what vegetarian meals or options you need to combine in order to make sure they get full protein and enough for them to, you know, grow their bones, their muscles, develop their brain, all these important things. And I know I potentially might have some vegetarian friends who might be listening to this podcast and I don't want to offend you and make you feel like you're, you know, not good parents for choosing to go ahead and feed your child only vegetables and no uh, animal protein. But this is just an observation I'm making that somebody who was doing so was potentially not doing a good enough job to provide the nutritional requirements necessary for a child to grow to their fullest potential. And so it's just a warning that that could happen more easily as a vegetarian. Of course, it could also happen as someone who does get animal protein. It's just, it's a lot harder for that to happen. So ultimately, I guess the, the message is just to be a good parent, to think about the nutritional requirements of your child and to make sure you meet those to the best of your capabilities, regardless of whether you eat meat or not. There, hopefully that was middle ground enough to not offend anybody and not to make it seem like I am judging people excessively. It was just interesting that the person who told me that it was a different approach to focus on feeding my child meat is also the same person who's got a child twice as old as mine who is only slightly larger in size. 
just an observation. Anyway, moving. Speaking of nutrition, feeding yourself, and <laughs> things along those lines, just going to talk quickly a, another funny story with my only client right now, who I'm, whom I'm training, who's my um, neighbor, and he's made a lot of improvements in losing some weight, getting stronger, getting more mobile, and you know, people at his work are constantly noticing the changes he's made. Are they're all constantly letting him know how proud they are of him for continuing with this uh, fitness journey that he's on? And you know, he's he's gotten a little bit of confidence, and he's a kind of a funny guy. He'll make snap comments all the time. So he was just telling me about how he was talking to his uh, buddies at work, and they're just. Uh, telling him about all the junk food they're eating and how it's amazing that he hasn't been eating junk food. So my uh, client's response was to tell his buddies at work was that just because you have a mouth, everything doesn't have to go in it. <laughs> when he told that to me, I just like started laughing out loud for fucking five minutes straight. <laughs> oh my God. Just because you have a mouth, everything doesn't have to go in it. <laughs> just perfect like i don't know if you're ever doing some stand-up comedy that is a perfect line to pull out to get the <laughs> crowd on your side maybe and then the other thing he told me was uh, was uh his buddies telling him um oh i switched from uh regular coke to coke zero so i'm not getting the calories anymore <laughs> and my my client goes why don't you just try drano instead <laughs> Oh my God, uh, such a funny dude. And I'm very happy and blessed to have him as a client and like someone who's actually motivated to listen to me and and listen to the advice that I'm giving him in terms of the lifestyle changes and the behavioral changes he should make in order to reach the fitness goals that he, he would like to. Anyway, that's enough about my week. Thanks for listening. Let's do a quick Bitcoin update. We are sitting on block height 782,772. Price of one Bitcoin trading at 26,812 US dollars. One US dollar will buy you 3,726 Satoshis. Remember, Satoshis, or SATs for short, are the smallest unit that one Bitcoin can be broken down into. One Bitcoin can be subdivided 100 million times or into 100 million Satoshis. And by the way, if you're listening to this podcast and you'd like to support it, you can do so using Bitcoin or Satoshis through a variety of what's called Podcasting 2.0 apps. What these are are just regular podcast listening apps that have integrated Bitcoin into it into the app itself so that as you're listening, you can give small amounts of Bitcoin in return to the podcaster who produced it. It can be very small amounts. I've gotten as low as like uh, 100 Satoshis, which is like a fraction of a cent. Maybe not quite that small. I think it might be two or three cents. Regardless, it's a small amount, uh, something that you would not be able to do with regular US dollars or Canadian dollars, whatever the fiat currency you're using. But with Bitcoin, because it's digital, because it, there's no third party involved, the fees are low, it's possible to give someone just a few cents as a thank you for them having produced the podcast that you enjoy listening to. So the podcast apps that I have used so far, one of them is called Fountain. The other one's called Breeze, B-R-E-E-Z. Uh, no E at the end on that one. <laughs> 
So check those out. And if you enjoy listening to the podcast, um, stream some Satoshis, some Sats, some Bitcoin to me. And if you don't have any, reach out and I will send you some. I've done that to some friends. I've done that to some strangers. I will do that to you too. If you want to reach out, you can reach me on social media at jmartfit, either Twitter or Instagram, or you can email me jmartfit at substack.com. So anyway, an interesting development that happened earlier this week was that there is this commercial, maybe you could call it, or ad campaign, I guess, um, funded by Greenpeace. You guys remember Greenpeace, that that organization? Greenpeace funded this um, ad campaign. It's been doing it for, for a while, actually, but just this most recent ad came out earlier this week about how their China paint Bitcoin in this negative light where uh, it's basically, they're trying to say like it's using so much energy that it's boiling the oceans and it's going to contribute to climate change and like, you know, the end of life on earth. So the point of the campaign is it's trying to encourage the change of the Bitcoin code in such a way that it will no longer use uh, proof of work, meaning it requires electricity to mine new blocks. They want it to change to proof of stake, which is supposedly going to be a lot more energy efficient. But that's just BS. It's just propaganda that they're trying to uh, promote for attacking Bitcoin because proof of work is the thing that actually makes Bitcoin valuable and scarce and desirable, whereas proof of stake is just an imitation of the current fiat monetary system that we already have in place. So it doesn't make sense to replace one system with another one that's the exact same thing. But and I, the other thing is, is like, who is this ad campaign for anyway? Because there's nobody in charge of Bitcoin that could actually choose to decide to change the code to make it go from proof of work to proof of stake. That's the beauty of Bitcoin is because it's not controlled by anybody. It's impossible to change unless everybody comes to the decision to agree on the changes that they want to make. But regardless, they made this crazy ad campaign um, and in the in the ad they had this cool looking skull with bitcoin logo in the eyes and it just like looks awesome and it was called the skull of satoshi satoshi being the representative of satoshi nakamoto the pseudonymous creator of bitcoin who no one knows who that is but this skull of satoshi is really cool looking and immediately became a meme in the bitcoin community for like how awesome bitcoin is <laughs> And then it turns out that there's this um, artist who was commissioned to make this uh, Skull of Satoshi piece who like, has been working on environmental projects throughout his career and I guess got approached by Greenpeace to do this for them. And then once this came out, a lot of Bitcoin people got in touch with the artist and tried to, I guess, explain to him what is actually going on and why Bitcoin is not actually boiling the oceans and contributing to, uh, you know, environmental catastrophe whatsoever. In fact, if anything, it's doing the opposite. It's helping uh, prevent that. But so then it seems like that has worked and the uh, artist behind the skull of Satoshi has been, quote unquote, orange pilled and been, you know, has his mind a little bit more open to the possibility that Bitcoin is not what he was told by Greenpeace. So he did this um, Twitter thread explaining his situation. So I'm just going to read from that. So the artist's name is 
Von Wong. Uh, you can find him at the Von Wong on Twitter. And here's his thread about what he's learned so far. So he says, Thursday evening, I was sad. I had just spent six months pouring my heart and soul into building an amazing installation to inspire real change for something few seem to care about. Then Bitcoin Twitter noticed the skull of Satoshi and the roller coaster began. Here's my story. I've been doing environmental art projects for years in in parallel to organizations like Greenpeace, calling out corporations and fighting single-use plastics. I create art installations with the hope to inspire and create change. For the first time, Greenpeace offered to commission an art install from me. I was stoked. The piece was never meant to be anti-Bitcoin. It was an optimistic hope that Bitcoin could shift away from the needless burning of fossil fuels without using all the other features that make Bitcoin safe, secure, and decentralized. First of all, they're always trying to blame use of energy to fossil fuels, right? Like fossil fuels are made out to be like this evil thing that's just going to destroy humanity. Meanwhile, if you objectively look around and uh, try to perceive all the nice amenities that we have in our modern day life that make life easier to live, it's all based on the fact that we have reliable energy available to us through fossil fuels, The benefits of fossil fuels are never actually acknowledged. It's all about, oh, the carbon dioxide that's being released into the atmosphere. It's so bad for us. But what about the fact that you can take a hot shower anytime you want to? Forget that. That's even luxury. What about the fact that in the middle of the winter, when it's cold AF, you can turn the heat up in your house and not freeze to death? How about that? That is a valuable thing that fossil fuels provide to humanity that was hard to come by before that, before you had to burn a lot more coal or wood to get the same benefit. Anyways, that's something that's not talked about. And secondly, the fact that you need all this energy for Bitcoin to mine new blocks are the is the reason why the other features of Bitcoin that he talks about that make Bitcoin safe, secure, and decentralized. That's why it's like that is because there's energy being used up, whether it be through burning fossil fuels or other ways, that is making sure that Bitcoin can't be cheated. It stays safe, secure, and decentralized. Anyways, moving on to what this artist, Von Wong, is saying next. He says, I made the skull believing that Bitcoin mining was a simple black and white issue. I've spent my entire career trying to reduce real-world physical waste, and proof-of-work felt intuitively wasteful. Of course, I was wrong. Few things in the world are black and white. Dumb me. The last two days I've spent in private conversations with both Greenpeace and pro-environmental Bitcoiners. I've discovered a whole new world of initiatives that fill me with hope. The skull of Satoshi is a phenomenal accident. It represents literally what both sides believe to be true. That Bitcoin has the potential to be more environmentally friendly, a force for the good of the environment. Anyway, he's got more in there in his thread that he talks about. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but as you can see, this gentleman has had a bit of a change of heart, didn't realize that this Greenpeace money that he's getting is actually coming 
not directly from Greenpeace, but from another uh, cryptocurrency or a shitcoin, if you'd like, called Ripple. You might have heard of Ripple. This is a crypto shitcoin that has a well-known person who created it, very dissimilar to Bitcoin, where where the creator of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, nobody actually knows who that is, what they're up to these days, and the the Bitcoin that he mined himself has never actually moved, so he's never actually profited from his invention, as opposed to this uh, guy, um, what's the name of the CEO, let me see, it's uh, Chris Larson, this guy providing, he's providing money to Greenpeace, using Greenpeace as a tool to attack Bitcoin, basically, to take away the most important property of Bitcoin, proof of work, which is what keeps Bitcoin safe, secure, and decentralized. I'm glad that people were able to connect with this artist, talk to him, and represent things in a clear manner so that you know he was able to see things for what they really are and also have a change of heart. And also share that change of heart in the public space on Twitter. That's all great. All right. With that said, I think that's all I've got for this week. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening in. Appreciate you week in and week out coming in to enjoy the JMart cast. And just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so, please do review to the podcast, whether it be on Spotify or on, or on Apple Podcasts. Give me five stars. Help a brother out. Other than that, stay active. Be grateful. Jmart out.